Hey everyone, this is Jim, and welcome to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. For more information, please go to www.simplefaithworks.com. That's www.simplefaithworks.com. I'm going to be talking today about when the battle seems lost, and I'm reading from the New King James Bible, Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 22. And then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, this is Jesus speaking, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. If you just stop right there and you didn't keep on reading, you'd think, isn't it amazing that Jesus' response to this situation is almost one of disbelief because, number one, the uh, man with his uh, son who had that condition, he was mute, and by the way it's explained in the 18th verse, he had these seizures and his whole body became rigid and he was gnashing his teeth. Um, it was a very serious condition. But notice Jesus, when he when he was told by the man that the disciples tried to cast it out and they weren't successful, it wasn't one of empathy. He just he didn't say uh, he didn't put his arm around him and say, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that. Bring him over here and let's see what we can do about it. He said, "Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you?" So that's not the type of response that um, the Jesus of today's popular culture, that's not the type of response that Jesus, most people would see that type of Jesus making. Sometimes the version of Jesus that you have in your mind and the version of Jesus that's in the Bible are two different people. If you look at the things that Jesus said, you look at the things that Jesus did, I mean, Jesus never was defeated on any front. He always got the victory. He always got people healed, always got them delivered. And as the disciples learned and followed him and started using his name and started growing in faith, they started getting results too. So in the 20th verse, it says, Then they brought him, the boy, to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth. So probably this was the same thing that happened after the disciples tried to cast this spirit out. The boy probably went to convulsions and they probably looked at one another and started thinking to themselves, okay, we use Jesus's name. The spirit is still there. The convulsions are still there. Now what do we do? So he asked the father, this is Jesus, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. So this father actually knew that what they were dealing with wasn't just a condition, that this was evil. And anytime you have evil present, there's a spirit at work somewhere behind the scenes, either directly or indirectly. And then the father says, but if you can do anything... Have compassion on us and help us. Now, again, the Bible's version of Jesus responds like this, verse 23. And he said to him, If you can believe, 
All things are possible to him who believes. You know, Jesus said on more than one occasion when someone came to him for help, do you believe that I'm able to do this for you? And when the person said yes, then he responded by saying simply, well, then according to your faith, be it done unto you. So here in the 23rd verse, Jesus is saying that the key to victory is you believing. If you can believe, all things are possible, verse 23 again, to him who believes. The 24th verse, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So obviously you know that the father did believe something because if he didn't, he never would have brought the child to the disciples in the first place. And obviously, you know, the disciples also believed because they wouldn't have done what they did in the um, 28th verse and asked Jesus after the situation was over, how come it didn't work for us, but it worked for you? So this is a situation, um, whether we all like to admit it or not, that we all find ourselves in at some time or another. You see, the battle seems lost and fear starts to set in. Because most people don't, in life, don't experience victory through God's word. Either they're not believers to begin with, or they're good Christian people, but they have unbelief that's sown deep in their hearts from tradition or um, by looking at other people's experiences and valuing what happened to somebody else higher than they do a specific chapter and verse in the Bible. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. I know in my own case, even though I uh, became a believing believer all the way back in 1986, that, and I've seen the power of God at work in my life. Um, I've seen lumps and cysts disappear. I've seen um, cataracts healed. I've seen all kinds of things. Some of them I'm not even going to mention here because you probably think that I was lying about it, being that you probably don't know me too well. But just amazing things happen. But yet there were other times when I didn't see anything happen. And this sense of uneasiness started to filter into my thought life. And, you know, if you look at yourself and you look at your life, you can find all kinds of reasons um, based on you as an individual why failure can be the end result. And, and that's why, uh, as people, we have to deal with fear. That's the first opponent that we face. So this man had faith. The disciples had faith, but they also had unbelief working against that faith in their life. So his response to all this is, if you can do anything, help. Everybody's been there. Every, even a, every believing believer has come to the point at some point or another, if the test or the trial has been severe enough or long enough, will you th actually think to yourself, Lord, if you can do anything, help. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. So in the uh, 25th verse, it says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. So two things there that he did. He gave a command. Jesus always gave the simplest commands. Be healed, 
come out, go, be still. He didn't go into these really long, elaborate prayers. He just spoke a command. But the thing is, he spoke it in faith. So obviously, when his disciples were trying to help this uh, boy and the father, they also probably did the same thing that they saw Jesus doing. They probably just gave a simple command, like, come out of him. Maybe they said, come out of him and don't come back. Because the Bible says that when a spirit is cast out of a person, it wanders around through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find any. It goes to find other spirits, even worse than itself, and they come back and they try to inhabit the body that they originally left. So um, it says the spirit, verse 26, cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. So you could see that whatever type of spirit it was, it was a pretty strong spirit, and it had been in the boy from birth. So it had a home in this boy's physical body for many, many years. Imagine having a condition. I mean, it doesn't say how old the boy was, but I mean, let's just say he was 10 years old. Imagine having that condition in 10 years. So it says it came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? You know, I imagine that when a lot of people get to heaven, they're going to ask the question, Lord, why didn't you help us in this situation? Or why didn't so-and-so get healed? Actually, you're probably going to have to ask for yourself because it's probably none of your business why somebody else failed. But think about it. If you asked him, what would he tell you? If you asked him, Lord, how come we're still in this financial situation? How come we still uh, are struggling with health problems? It's been years, Jesus. How come this problem still exists? Do you think he can actually tell you anything different than he told them? He said, they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, because of your unbelief. Actually, in this verse, or in this version, Mark's gospel, it says that this kind comes out nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, some people will say, well, that's not in all translations, but if you know anything about prayer and, and fasting, fasting is simply not eating and taking that time to look to God and to seek God. Fasting is a uh, cure for unbelief, but you can also fast in unbelief. Believe me, I know. I, I've done it before. So the idea is here is that unbelief is the reason why this situation still existed. Jesus said it was because of their unbelief. Let me um, just do a quick reference check right here, and let's take a look at this in one of the other one of the other versions. Okay, well, here's another good example. Matthew thirteen fifty eight. He said he didn't do many miracles in his own hometown because of their unbelief. Um, and, I, you know, I really don't want to open a whole um, can of worms and get into the a debate about it. Just want to keep this as simple as possible. Okay, I think Matthew chapter 17, verse 19 probably 
is the gospel. Sometimes people say, well, you know, the Bible's a contradiction. This version says this, and another version says something else. But if you read, it's not a contradiction. Each gospel focuses on a different aspect of an event. If you put them all together, you have the whole, a good picture of the whole event from different perspectives. In uh, Matthew 17, verse 19, it says, Then Jesus' disciples uh, came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? The 20th verse there says, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say this mountain move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So again, just keep it simple, because the more complex you make this whole issue, then the tougher time you'll have in casting down all of the negative arguments and imaginations that enter into your thought life. I know a lot of people that make the whole concepts of, of faith and healing um, so complex, you actually need a course to be able to figure out how to pray right. But just using simple scriptures like Mark eleven twenty three, Mark eleven twenty four. And it's just some simple principles, uh, like First Corinthians 13, that uh, how love works. Faith works by love, and perfect love casts out fear. And fear is the thing that people deal with. They, feel, they fear failure. They fear that their situation isn't going to change. They fear that they're going to be defeated. So uh, unbelief is just another form of fear. And it takes perfect love to cast out fear. So... You know, people make the mistake is they, they look at their faith and they start focusing on their faith instead of focusing on God and letting that be their faith. See, the more you focus and look at yourself, the more things that you'll see are wrong, the more things that you'll see that are weak, right? It's just when you're totally weak and you have nothing left to look at but God. When you tried everything and nothing has worked, there's only one place left to look. That's God, right? But that's a good thing because the Bible says when you're weak, you're strong. In other words, when you start stop looking at yourself, start stop looking at your failures and just start looking to God and put 100% trust in him, then you've turned the corner. Now, let's just talk to you uh, quickly um, in one instance where um, I had this situation that just seemed to go on forever. In, it was in the area of business. And I have a business today in which... Um, I have a small team and we build websites. We build some great looking websites and help local businesses market themselves online. And I've written eBooks and things like that, but it took a long time to build. And I just remember times where thinking that, well, I'm just not making enough money. I mean, I don't have enough money to fix a car or I don't have enough money to buy decent food. And it just seemed like that problem went on and on and on. And I, look at myself and I think, well, you know, maybe I don't read the Bible enough or maybe I don't pray enough or maybe my mind's, I'm not renewing my mind properly. And, you know, these crazy thoughts have come, you know, like, um, well, you know, maybe you would get a miracle, but you were watching Netflix last night and everything that you watched just totally wiped out all the good that God put in. I mean, there was always a reason for failure. And finally, I just got to the point where I had just gave up. I just said, you know what? And I told the Lord about it, as honest as I could be. I said, I just can't do this. I just can't make this business work. If you can make it work, that's great. But instead of me praying about it and thinking about it and, and, and agonizing over it and trying to believe and trust 
that you're going to do what the Bible says you're going to do. I can't even do that anymore. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm going to put this whole situation in your hands and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. So I'm just going to do the work that's required. I'm going to help my clients. I'm going to help the local businesses. I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to stop, stop counting how much money I don't have or how much money I may need tomorrow. And I just forgot about it. I just did the work. And in my prayer time, instead of praying about that thing all the time, I just started focusing on other things. I started focusing on praying for other people. I started focusing on my character as an individual. I started seeing things in my life that I was inconsistent in and that I wanted to improve areas in. I wanted to become a, a person of my word, not a person that makes excuses. I just saw a lot of things. I wanted to be a better son. I wanted to be a better friend. I just wanted to grow from the inside out. I wanted that to be the focus of my life instead of always just uh, focusing on praying about problems. So instead of thinking about when I was going to see the results, I just did the work that was required, right? The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word, do the word. And that was the turning point. And I mean, I just started getting clients, new clients would come in and I would get referrals and all of the things started working and all the confusion left and just things happened. I mean, I couldn't even have planned it to happen the way it happened. It just worked out. So if you're in a situation today, I don't know what type of situation you may be facing, but it's probably in one of the areas. This probably has to do with money, probably has to do with health, probably has to do with a situation that you don't have any control over that involves other people. Remember that all things are possible to him that believes. And if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, nothing will be impossible. So it's not the amount of faith that you have. Just recognize you have a enemy called unbelief. So reaffirm what you believe. Continue to say what the Bible says. Here's a great example from 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Well, I guess if you realize how big those stones were and that there were more than enough people to take those stones and kill you, you'd probably be distressed yourself. Because of the soul, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you're not familiar with the story, go back and read First Samuel, and um, you'll get a, a really clear picture of what type of situation that he was in. But the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. So encourage yourself in the Lord. Tell yourself, whether you do it quietly to yourself when you get out of bed, I've prayed about this situation, I've given to God's hands. I'm not going to worry about it anymore because worry is a sin, right? Looking at the, at the problem instead of the answer isn't going to help you. Looking even at your own faith isn't going to make your faith any stronger. Working on yourself isn't going to make you any stronger. What's going to make you stronger is you're going to have to look to God and trust him and him alone, not your ability to even be a doer of the word, I guess, but just looking to God. And focus on him and forgetting about yourself and forgetting about your weaknesses and your hangups and all these things. Just letting it all go because the reality of it is, is true, real faith that moves mountains. It doesn't take any strength to carry it at all. In fact, it carries you. So if you're trying to carry your own faith, carry your own prayers instead of them carrying you, there's the problem right there, right? Right? So instead of trying to fix it, again, take the focus off of yourself, off of your hangups, and put it back on God.
So Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, right? Everybody does that, but that he is a rewarder. Not occasionally can be a rewarder, but he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What that means is, is that it's impossible for failure. If you believe God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and all the seeking is, is, is looking towards with all your energy, right? Not looking at the problem, not looking at yourself. You're looking at him. He's a rewarder of them that seek him diligently. Uh, one final scripture I want to leave you with, and I'm going to say goodbye for now, is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it will eat its fruit. So I know you can approach this whole topic really mechanically, and you could use your words like bullets or battering rams or whatever, but the idea here is, is that you're not fighting God. You're not even fighting the devil, really, because when you think about it, Jesus already went to the cross. He already has the authority. All these things already belong to you. The Bible says you're already seated in heavenly places. You hear people say things like, well, we're just going to storm the gates of heaven until God answers. Well, you don't have to storm the gate because the gate was already open and you're already seated with Christ according to the book of Ephesians in heavenly places. So get the religious thinking out and get the faith thinking on, right? Faith and not what's going to happen, but what Jesus already did. All right, I can go on and on and on. I'm going to put my bookmarker in it there. When the battle seems lost, when fear starts setting in, stop thinking about when you're going to see results. Start, stop putting your own faith under a microscope and you start to see its cracks. Take your attention, take your focus, take your energy, put it 100% on God, right? If you haven't gone to simplefaithworks.com, check it out. Go there. Uh, there's a contact form there. Let me know. If you got something out of this message, send me an uh, email if you want. I'd be happy to answer you. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.